visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Taiwan International. I'm Leslie Liao, and coming up this hour, I have Ear to the Ground, where Andrew Ryan will bring you some sounds from Taiwan, and Jukebox Republic with Shirley Lin. But as always, we will start off with Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Monday, January 13th. My goodness, we are already two weeks into the new year. That's really fast. I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and joining me today is John Van Trieste. Hi there. And Miss Paula Chow. Hello. It's holiday season in Taiwan still. I know what you're thinking. Christmas, New Year's, Election Day, what's left? Well, in Taiwan, there's Lunar New Year. We'll talk about how Taipei's oldest street is getting ready for that. Next, I have is we just held our elections, but did you know we already have a contender for the next presidential race four years from now? Taipei Mayor Ko Wenzhou. What his wife thinks about his preemptive announcement? Well, she recently told all. And finally, Taiwan reached a huge milestone in terms of overseas visitors last year. A lot of those visitors came from Asia, but we do have visitors from the Middle East. John will tell you more. All that and more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. So let's start off with a little bit of Lunar New Year. I know the festivities have been quite abundant, if I do say so myself, but with Christmas and the New Year and uh, Election Day was kind of almost like a holiday, if I dare say, with all the people out on the street. Half of the people anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was something else. I mean, leading up to it, you you would think that, you know, Taiwan's having a party of some sort and have about half the people are having a party at this moment yes uh but that doesn't end right there we still have the lunar new year the coming biggest up. bash of all that's right and uh something about taipei's oldest street called Dihua Jie. uh they do something special around this time each year what's going on paula right on uh, Dihua street is actually one of my um favorite neighborhoods in taipei because Dihua street is best known for its various shops selling um, all kinds of goodies, you know, or and also um, herbal Chinese medicine. So every New Year, I think I will usually go there to do some um, New Year shopping. Wow. And then anyway, um, last Friday, um, Dihua Street uh, launched sales to celebrate the um, the approaching holiday. And this year, uh, I have to mention that we have one week holiday starting from January 23rd. It varies from year to year. Yes. Right. Right, because we go by the lunar calendar, right. right? Not the Gregorian. Well, in the length too. Sometimes it falls over weekends. It just depends. Yeah, right. And this this one week, I think, is slightly shorter. I think last year or the year before last year, I think we had a nine day holiday, which is good. Yeah. Right. But anyway, so um, pe- uh, on Friday, you know, a lot of people went there to do some shopping. From They bought marinated meat, Taiwanese candies and pistachios, as well as fly crackers and spring couplets. Everything you will need for the Lunar New Year holiday. And the, interestingly, um, Taipei City government officials were also there. Why would they you know, visit uh, Dihua Street last week? Because they were there to... They are consumer protection officers and they were there to make sure that to inspect the quality and safety of the merchandise 
which is good. Yeah, to make sure that unsafe pistachios, man. <laughs> you gotta watch out for the couplets, you know. I mean, there are very high ticket items there that are in demand this time of year. There's a uh, abalone that's sell on sale that's over true. there, right? Uh, dried scallops, and mm -hmm. uh, I think the most popular Fish one mullet row, isn't it? Mullet row that uh, in Japanese they call it karasumi. Oh, and so there's also uh, the inevitable bird's nest or two. Mm, that's, that's right. You can really still find them there. Expensive. But they're still on sale. Right. So with it, like any high ticket item, you know, there's there's always ca concerns and caution about the authenticity of what you're consuming. Mm. It's just the nature of these high in demand uh, products. Right. These and inauthentic also, nuts. Yeah. Oh my right. goodness! Don't oh, get me started on those. The pistachios. And also sea cucumbers. And sea That's true. Cucumbers. Right. So it what costs you, a lot. What do you usually go and get in Dihuajie? Um, I guess oh. sea cucumbers, some. Uh, black mushrooms, Chinese mushrooms, right. Oh. I'm much more of a 7-Eleven gift box kind of a person. A lot of these are bought as uh, things to put out for guests or as like, I guess you might present them if you're invited to someone's home. Yeah. I tend to go the cheap out and buy the 7-Eleven pre-made box. There's nothing but wrong with it. It is a lot more festive to go and pick out stuff that's not pre-packaged. You know, this is sold loose, a lot of this stuff, out of gigantic bags. Yeah. Like a very traditional market. It is an interesting atmosphere. Um, Paul, are you... You tend to do a lot of traditional shopping, don't you? you uh, last time we talked about the Nanman's uh, market. Oh, yes. And you, right. you, you frequent that place a lot as well? Right, because uh, it's also a very popular um, you know, market selling all kinds of fresh produce, seafood. Yeah. Right. Because I don't really, uh, I'm kind of traditional, I don't really celebrate New Year's Day on January 1st, but I do celebrate um, you know, Chinese New Year because I, it's a family tradition, and mm. we will also. Um, have a very simple ceremony, you know, to um, to show our respect. What's well, not really ancestor worship to show our respect to the deceased family members? Yeah, yeah. that's always some a feature of the Lunar New Year, and there's a lot of a uh, tradition to be recognized around there. I'm kind of sad to say that I don't really know much much of these traditions, and uh, I kind of really admire Paula for her ability to <laughs> adhere to. To what's good and what's old, and because I, it's not going to live on with me. Yeah. All right, guys, I have a bit of a story here. Since we're on the topic of, you know, consumer protections and things like that, there's actually a police officer in Tainan City who's actually, uh, he's getting well known for his ability to talk people out of scams. More notably, um, scams involving young men trying to win the favor of women on the internet. Oh. So he's only been a police officer for about four months, and um, he's already stopped seven scams, saving people up to 140,000 new Taiwan dollars. That's around, I want to say, 40,000 to 50,000 US dollars, uh, mm. just quite a bit of money for a guy who's on his um, fourth month on duty as a police officer. Anyway, one night he was on duty and he got called by two different convenience stores about men who are trying to buy virtual currency. And a lot of the way these scammers work is just that they have you buy virtual currency with cash at convenience stores. You can do that at convenience stores? You can do I that at convenience stores. I did not know that. Stores. I didn't know that. Yeah. Do, oh my goodness. I'm, yeah. They keep amazing me. It's not It's not like like, like Bitcoin or anything like that. It's oh, like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's things that are convertible into new Taiwan dollars, but it's not actually cryptocurrency. Okay. And um, both of them were men. And these men had won the favor, were trying to win the favor of a girl online. 
And it was all very, very ambiguous. And he was just like, okay, this is this sounds like a scam. So the way he would really uh, talk these men out of it was like he would share his own failures with romance and he's just like i understand you're in the moment and this is how they get you you know you they they get you hooked emotionally and then they get you to have to at least meet face to face first you think so right and uh he saved one man from spending about two thousand new taiwan dollars which is about 60 us dollars this next man was about to drop twenty eight thousand new taiwan dollars that's a lot that's just shy of a thousand a lot of people make that in a month here yeah and uh, he's, you know, only four months on the job, and people are saying he's a very handsome, very tall police officer. He runs marathons. Oh, good. And <laughs> so what kind of romantic failures does he have to talk about? Exactly. So, like, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, Well, I guess it's, uh, he's also persuasive. So. He's, he's very persuasive. But if I saw a tall, good-looking marathon runner trying to talk me out of my romantic failures, I'm just like, what are you? We really like you. What experience could you possibly have with this? With failure, how could you? All right, and our next story I promised is just that we had our elections recently, and you know, people usually let the fever die down before we talk about the next round of elections, but not in Taiwan, apparently. We just dive Mm. headfirst. This is something that I'm seeing as a theme worldwide, though. We're getting. People like, I'm going to run, declare my run eight years from now. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, that's a long commitment, you know. That's what if, you know, commitments, other commitments really pop up. Anyway, one person, one such person, John, one of your favorites I know, is Taipei Mayor Ku. And so He's a interesting person. <laughs> he says a lot of things and it always gets a reaction out of you on this show. And that's why I enjoy it. It gets a reaction it. out of everyone. <laughs> he says very interesting things. He said that he is going to run for president in four years. And um, that's gotten a lot of reactions out of people. But one person that we haven't heard from is actually his wife. And she recently said, told all. So what's going on here, Paula? Right. She said that, well, my husband has a dream. And that's, if that's his dream, if he wants to do it, then do it. Hmm. Why not? Well, I don't understand because a lot of people thought he was going to run this time and then he didn't. Right, he he was going but, to, and he right. was going to. It, it felt like everyone was waiting for that moment. He started his own political party, yeah, yeah, right. which he'd been an independent before, um, and then he didn't do it. So, But he said he's considering yeah, running for president in 2024 well, guess, um, if his health allows him. Well, he's 62 years old, and he's in pretty good shape right now. Yeah. But after four years, um, we don't know. But anyway, it's really interesting because recently in, in an interview, um, um, a TV program, uh, he said that, well, the biggest, well, the Taipimir used to be a surgeon before he entered politics in 2014. And he said that the biggest difference between uh, being a doctor and a politician is that, well, when you are a doctor, you can save your patients, I mean, one by one, individually. But if you are in politics, if you do something good, it's possible that you can change some um you know, some system that you think is not good and um, indirectly um, change people's life. This is what he said. Indirectly change people's lives. I think it's pretty direct, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. Right. The impact is pretty direct. (laughs) Right. But he's a, he's an, um, how would I say that? He's he's an oddball because um, I'd like your your tact, Paula. <laughs> because he and his wife were interviewed by um, you know in, in a TV program, and and his wife said, well, even though Taipei may, uh, her husband is Taipei mayor, he knows a lot about the city government's finances. He, he knows nothing about his own family's finances. He doesn't. He knows nothing about that. <laughs> and he his wife said, well. 
the mayor, as long as he has food to eat, as long as he has some pocket money to use, that's good enough for him. Yeah, he's the one. I don't. I don't think he does it anymore. But wasn't he like on the metro and riding bikes with everyone else early on, commuting to work like that? He was commuting right. to work on the metro. And I remember they, I think that. They made him stop. Right, maybe? but he. Yeah, it's really interesting. But he admitted on TV that um, you know whenever he, um, you know, sometimes he is invited to give a speech and people will pay him. And he, um, he always told other people that. Well, is it possible um, if you can give me um, cash instead of giving a check <laughs> or transfer the money to my bank account so that, you know, I can, you know, stash some cash in so that my wife won't know that. Did he say that out loud? That That's sounds what like... he said. Yeah. Okay. That he sounds doesn't... like... Right. But he, his wife is not worried um, about that at all because his wife said the mayor doesn't even know how to cash a check. He doesn't even know that. Oh, well, it's just shots fired. All you really do is kind of take it to the bank, right? And then, I mean, they kind of handle everything else. Is there much else, uh, other procedure? There's some paperwork to do. You Everyone have to has different right talents, you know. But <laughs> right. it, it does make you uh, think it doesn't take a surgeon to do this. <laughs> it doesn't take. Yeah, sometimes you think about like, wow, it doesn't. Everyone really has different surgeon. skill sets. But some at that point, cashing checks, others at being mayor. I mean. Wow, there's a whole lot to unpack here. And then the uh, one whole thing is that his wife actually does make more money than he does. Is that really? Uh, she's also a st- distinguished doctor. Yeah, right. she's, a, she's a surgeon. I remember we right. talked about that on Taiwan Insider. And that was one of the who in Taiwan's. And then one of the things that Andrew gave, that gave away to Andrew was that his wife makes more money than he does. Right. What's, she's a pediatrician. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So I guess, you know, children really are the future and you really want to save the future. Who knew? I said last year in 2019, Taiwan had a record 11.84 million visitors mm-hmm. come into Taiwan, and uh, a lot of them came from Eastern Asia, from China. I think over two million came from Japan. But John, you have some information about visitors from the Middle East, huh? Yeah, they are coming in from all corners. Uh, it's a modest. Sort of growth. It's early days yet. Uh, we had twenty thousand visitors come in between January and November twenty nineteen from that region of the world. Um, but that's a six point six six percent increase over the same period last year. And a couple of the countries in the region even saw double digit growth. If you look at them individually, we're talking the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and Jordan. And again, it's early days yet, but mm. Taiwan has a lot to offer to this part of the world, too. And with that in mind, uh, Taiwan's planning to open a tourism service center in Dubai this year. It's part of a push to push that number even up even further. Right. And they have a couple of specific local markets. And I mean, doesn't, you know, it's not a monolithic market. The first is the leisure. I hate that word, but it's a combination of business and leisure. Is that a word now? It's not. <laughs> it's not. Let's not make that a thing. Also, parent-child travel and travel by women. And uh, they are looking at all those markets. And uh, so they're hoping to uh, target in particular with marketing the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Jordan. The bureau, the tourism bureau is going to have p- participate in two travel fairs in the region this year, one in Saudi Arabia in March and the other in Dubai in April. And, um, yeah, they have a lot of high-end clients in Dubai, apparently. A lot of them are from multinationals, and uh, it's well-suited, you know, as a place to push Taiwan tourism, as as a central point from which to push Taiwan tourism in the whole region. Um, So, yeah. um, Also, (laughs) I'm not sure how fair this is. Uh, The 
head of the, an official at the at the bureau said that compared to the hot weather in Middle Eastern countries, Taiwan has seasonal <laughs> climate. No, we're pretty hot too. Not that hot, but um, it's not. Uh, it, you need to drink a lot of water. I in was the summertime. speaking to a friend lately, and he's just saying, "Well, Taiwan has completely skipped over winter. Now yeah, we, we don't. Yeah, really, th- it's spring. Yes. Well, um, we do have a lot of mountains, mm. and of course, many halal certified restaurants. That's a key That's thing that right. Taiwan has been trying to push. Yes. So, uh, it seems it's having a modest impact, and we'll see where things go from here. How very interesting. Uh, I, w- I was just going to comment on the hot weather. You know, they we always talk about how Taiwan is very hot and it is very hot. in the summer. And it's a type of heat that I'm not sure they would know what to do with because it's sticky hot. It is sticky hot. Moist. Have it's you ever a- been to the Middle East, John? No. Okay. It's I've- dry out there, I believe. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think that makes a difference. And uh, that way you can... I mean, it's not pleasant. <laughs> It's, I mean, you, you think about but it. We're not exactly like, you know, uh, Alaska up here. So You're absolutely right, right? I mean, we, get, we see snowfall almost once a year above, what, 2,500 meters, and we're just like, oh, my goodness. You know, the Alpine thing is, would, is interesting, though. That would make a nice place for them to go during the summertime. That really, it, really, it is cool up there. And I don't think they see a lot of elevation over there, do they? I think it depends on where you are. It but, depends on where you um, are. Definitely a lot of green. And a lot of uh, very a lot of rain even might be surprising. <laughs> we get a lot of rain. Paul, have you ever been to the Middle East? Nope. Nope. Okay, yeah. so three people who know nothing about the Middle East debating about the Middle East. Well, that's a good place to. Wouldn't s- be the first time that's happened. No, that would be a good place <laughs> to kind of end our show here a little bit. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, once again, I have been Leslie Liao. I believe I am still John Van Trieste. And then Paula Chan. Next up is Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic. You're not going to want to miss it, so don't go away.
yellow is kind of a funny color in Taiwan. Almost everyone I asked about it said the same thing. Banana. <laughs> Bananas. Banana. Banana. Bananas. And no. I'm not going to do a show about bananas. Now, don't get me wrong. Taiwan has great bananas, but I'd probably go bananas trying to get them to make a sound. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, a sound journey through Taipei in search of the color yellow. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground. Now, fortunately, when Taiwanese people think of the color yellow, they think of more than just bananas. They also think of xiaohuang or little yellows. It's a nickname for yellow-colored taxis. So I hail one to start my adventure. My driver, Mr. Chen, tells me that taxis used to be any color, so it was hard to identify them. Then, in 1990, a taxi drivers' union held a survey to choose a color, and yellow was the winner. Yellow is easier to see, says Mr. Chen, both in the sunlight and at night. These days, he says, the color yellow is also thought to attract riches. Now, I've also heard that yellow was an important color for the emperors of ancient China. Bye bye bye. So to find out more, I have Mr. Chen drop me off at one of the world's biggest collections of ancient Chinese treasures. The National Palace Museum, nestled in the mountains north of Taipei. The first emperor of the Tang Dynasty, Tang Gaozu, he said, "Nobody except the emperor can wear the yellow clothes." That's assistant curator Wu Songfen. We're standing in front of this huge scroll painting that's taller than me. It's of a very fat Emperor Shenzong of the Ming Dynasty, wearing a long yellow robe decorated with dragons. Wu Songfen tells me that the color yellow represented the earth and was a symbol of being fair and unbiased. Chinese people believe the ideal emperor will have to be generous or kind, just like the earth can bear everything and contain everything. You have to keep your words, just like if you're planting a seed inside the earth, and one day you will harvest. So where do we go to find the connection between yellow and money in modern-day Taipei? Banga. My taxi driver suggests an old neighborhood where you can find stores that sell golden paper money. I duck into one of the shops, which has a huge yellow sign, and the owner, Ms. Zhu, leads me to a stack of yellow bills. She says I'm going to have to burn some fake money if I want to make some more. She opens up what she calls a jubalhe, which is a cardboard jewel box, and shows me the ghost money that I need to burn as an offering to the gods and ghosts. I make a purchase, and then Ms. Zhu introduces me to her collection of golden three-legged toad figurines sitting on the counter. They pet them every day and give them offerings of water and apples, and she urges the toads to catch money in their mouths. <laughs> Across the street, another shop with a big yellow sign offers an entirely different way of making money. It sells lottery tickets. The manager Xiao Su says the walls are painted yellow because of the association with wealth, and maybe it makes it easier to win. So I buy a ticket, and while it's printing out, Xiao Su tells me about the last big win at his store. 
A customer won 8 million Taiwan dollars. That's about 270,000 US. So Xiao Su set off fireworks to let everyone know, and business shot up by 40 to 50 percent. Maybe tonight someone else will win big, he says. So at 8.30 that night, with my lotto ticket in hand, I turn on my TV and watch as the yellow ping-pong balls pop up with the winning numbers. It's not my lucky night. Perhaps I should have burned my paper money before I bought my lottery ticket. Or maybe I need a three-legged money tote of my own. After all, just about everyone I spoke to today had one. Even my taxi driver had a lucky toad sitting on his dashboard. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. You've just tuned into Bus Republic. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International. Well, I'm so glad that Xiao Yu, Yun, Song Nian Yu, has made a comeback. I really liked him a lot when I heard him five years ago. I tried to contact him on his FB, but he never answered me because I wanted so much to interview him. I actually said, it doesn't matter if you don't speak English, but still, no answer from him. All right, but that's okay. He's made a comeback after five years. So this song here is a recent single he released called Nian Ni.
Now, wasn't that beautiful? I know, I loved it. Anyway, so Xiao Yu, that's his nickname. His real name is Song Nian Yu. He might not be very well known, but he was nominated for Best Male Mandarin Singer Award um, at the Golden Melody Awards back in 2013. And that's like the Mandarin language equivalent of, uh, of, um, of uh, the Grammys. He didn't win. I mean, he was up against so many veteran singers, right? It was a big mistake. He should have entered in the newcomer category. Anyway, Xiao Yu grew up without any music background. He just loved music ever since he was a little kid. He taught himself the drums and the electric guitar. He was discovered by uh, the producer of Take One Music Company when he was with some friends singing at a KTV in 2003. I don't know how that happened. I mean, did they like broadcast his voice over the speaker in the lobby so that everyone heard his great singing? Or that, um, you know, this producer kind of walked by the KTV room that he was in and they opened the door and they, and he heard, um, Xiaoyu singing. I don't know. But anyway, um, Xiaoyu started singing. He, he did not start singing by himself. He started by learning music production and then beginning to write songs for a whole lot of other celebrities. Um, Xiao Yu came out with his first album in 2008. It got in the top 10 on the charts. The second album came out in 2009, which was only second to Jolin Tsai, uh, a pop dancing diva uh, on the charts. Uh, so, you know, he could have won in 2013 if it weren't for that mistake, right? And also, he's written some kind of music for the Industrial Technology Research Institute in Xinzhu. It's the industrial park in Taiwan. I interviewed someone before who wrote music for videos promoting Taiwan to Japanese audience. And it was, um, you know, promoting a, a Taiwanese company, too, that he did, that she did. Anyway, so I thought that was kind of neat that, you know, his music crosses all, all disciplines, you know, or all, I don't know, or fields. And um, remember Taiwan's top model, Lin Zilin, who sang the theme song for the 2010 Taipei International Flora Expo? The song was something like The Power of Beauty. Well, Xiaoyu wrote that, see? And it's just amazing. And apparently in two, uh, 2011, he rearranged that song and, and then sang it himself. Let's listen to a couple more, a couple more songs by him. Here's With You and Habitual Love.
你现在想什么？因为我也在想你想的。就知道了，害怕就不在了。从那天我也知道，我们都会记得，会记得。你说你一直想。
Xiaoyu was younger, a senior high school student. He was appearing in some singing contests that included contestants from, you know, all over Asia, like Taiwan, from Hong Kong, Macau, and China. And so he was in Hong Kong for two whole years just competing. And then he came back to Taiwan with a silver medal. That's not bad, right? So after he graduated from high school, he formed a band and went on a rendezvous around the Taiwan island for four years performing. Wow, as a street performer? Amazing. You know, you can live off that, right? I mean, if you're that crazy about music. And he says that he cares more about the quality of music than anything else. We can definitely see that in his music. Let's have a listen to another song here. This one's called What About Me? What 
他什么，给了我什么，又给你什么？谁会期待关于谁的存在？谁的存在只为谁的期待？谁的期待成为谁的阻碍？谁的阻碍成就谁的期待？我想问你，想问自己，在不在？我只相信我爱，我怀疑我是你眼里那个我，那一个我，人前人后会不同，而你的不同，而他的不同。执着，又不为了谁懂，自顾自我自作不好受，又渴望被享受。Well, that's it for this week's、uh, Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. Hope you enjoyed、uh, Xiaoyu,、uh, Song Nianyu. So I'm going to say goodbye with another song by him. This one is "It Ain't Easy." It ain't easy to be a successful musician. That's for sure.
着我在掉眼泪。可是我就站在这里呀、啊，躺着的那是谁呀？妈咪，我摸不到你，你怎么都不回答？妈咪，不要担心，走吧，我们回家啦。不小心。选到你，这也不是我愿意说一句对不起。我有心，我无心，反正也没人在意，要反省又何必？你知道你。Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz, and in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.